Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Marketing Mindset Podcast, where we believe that in order to grow a successful business, you need just two things, the right marketing strategies and the right mindset. I am your host, Maria Bentz, and I am the founder of MBM Agency, a digital marketing company who helps service-based businesses grow their revenue using online strategies. And I am here to share with you all of my tips and pointers every single week when it comes to digital marketing and business growth. Today's episode is sponsored by our premium Wix templates. If you're totally stumped on how to build your own website, but can't afford to hire a designer, that does not mean that you should skip out on the important things in the process like professional design, sales formula copywriting, and search engine optimization. Our premium Wix website templates are created with marketing and sales in mind. And the best part is you can have a professional looking and functional website in just under 24 hours. Our website templates are completely stress-free. They're easy to use. That means no Photoshop or coding required. They are designed to convert based on our signature homepage formula. And they are ready to launch as soon as you are done designing. So if you want to check this out, get it at mbmagency.com forward slash shop and use the discount code mindset to get 30% off. All right, guys, welcome back to the show. Super excited to chat with you today all about cold email marketing. Today I have Nate right with me and Nate is a business copywriter and email marketing expert. His unapologetic human approach to the discipline has been featured by MailChimp, MailShake, Pitch Anything, and Bloomberg. So Nate, welcome to the podcast. <laughs> Super excited to have you here. Oh uh, no, it's I'm I'm happy to be here. Um, so before we dive into all the fun stuff, tell me about your business journey and how did you get to where you are today? Uh, the short version or long version? Medium, maybe. <laughs> Up to you. I. I... I mean, honestly, my, 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 the business I own now has gone through a lot of iterations. Uh, back in 09, I was living in Seattle. I was a full-time single dad hustling to scrapping, trying to mm-hmm. stay, stay afloat uh, in a very, very expensive city, and I needed to make rent. So yeah. I took what – I cobbled together what little I knew and uh, – started helping musicians in Seattle. I was putting up posters in the rain. I was, oh, wow. yeah, I was putting up siding in the rain. I was hauling trash in the rain. Uh, <laughs> it's a great motivator actually, yeah. <laughs> but that's what I started out doing. And uh, so I started out mainly with artists. So first musicians, uh, started doing events. I worked with a lot of filmmakers uh, up in Seattle, that whole community. And it was so much fun. And I made like no money doing it. <laughs> I lost so much money doing that. But uh, the core skills I had to pick up to survive to help these people so that I could keep making money and help them out because a lot of them were my friends in the beginning. Uh, I had to learn how to do things. Mm-hmm, I spent mm-hmm. many late nights on you know, learned, taught, taught myself Joomla and WordPress and, and got and tried to taught myself video production and 
very much like jack of all trades master of none cliche mm, mm-hmm. uh, i would say about three or well, four years ago maybe even five now uh we, we we started chopping away the stuff we weren't as good at and we mm-hmm. chopped and we chopped and we chopped and we chopped and i have to say that the that email marketing was the last thing standing Wow. Uh, it wasn't like we woke up one day and said, we're going to be an email marketing company. Mm-hmm, we're mm-hmm. going to be an agency. I didn't know what copywriting was until like two years into my business. Oh, wow. Yeah, I have someone explain it to me. It was very <laughs> uh, and, uh, but we really started narrowing down on that because the guys and I have got a couple of business partners. Uh, that's what we enjoy doing. And yeah. Our, our clients seem to appreciate it. It seemed to be a lot... Honestly, a lot of it was driven by not as much the money, but just as like the client hassle. Oh, like interesting. I don't do well in design projects. Okay. I, okay. A lot of revisions. Like, we do a lot oh of design God. stuff. Yeah, it's, uh, it doesn't result in a healthy relationship for me. So I have a question for you when you mentioned mm-hmm. kind of niching down to just mm-hmm. doing email marketing. That's something that we talk about, I feel like quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And I kind of went through a very similar journey where I started off. I started off as a marketing manager, started doing this on the side. And when I started my like side hustle, which eventually ended up growing, um, I did all the things. And one day I hired a business coach and he's like, you have to cut down to one thing. And that was so, so scary to me, yep. um, which ended up being the best thing I think I could have ever done. But the mindset piece of that, I feel like so many people are so scared to do that. So how did that feel like to you when you guys started cutting down your services and why would you recommend doing that? Uh, so the first question, uh, what was it like? It was mixed in some cases, like getting rid of the website piece was cathartic, mm. almost like someone that's in a bad relationship and, and like that you could either feel like this, this heartbreak and you're wanting to yeah. them at all hours. Did we get back to or you're like, oh my God, I just feel I've, I'm so glad I finally pulled the Band-Aid, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and in other cases, it, it was much harder, like cutting some of the more fun stuff, like the video pieces out of it, the events piece for mm. me, that was the most painful piece because I'm, I would say above average at events. Okay, uh, I've yeah. put on some good events, I've produced good events, I've marketed events, but I've also had some giant failures and there was... There was a lot of outside of business anxiety around yeah. busting my butt on an event, bringing all these people in and not getting any butts in seats. And it was, uh, uh, that sounds nerve wracking. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. Especially like you could do everything right. It could still go wrong. I did an event in Sandpoint, Idaho many years mm-hmm. ago and we got Dave's killer bread as our sponsor. And it was my okay. first corporate sponsorship and I was so we handed out full loaves of bread at the door as a door prize I don't know what someone's gonna do a loaf of bread in a concert <laughs> not all thought out so we, we switched it up halfway through and got them on the way out but it was a small town big venue though small town we should have sold at least 500 tickets we got press we got radio interviews we, we got all this just juice marketing juice out of this get there and it happens that like three families were having weddings the same night a small town wow and everyone is at the weddings yeah not the show and it was i was devastated yeah it was a long drive home 
when I was living. <laughs> so, uh, so what was the second part of your question? I'm sorry. So the, the niching down, like why would you recommend for, or would you recommend people to do that and why? Well, I don't necessarily think that niching down by, by discipline is always best. Okay. So typically if you're going to triangulate something like a, a better direction, like a center of bullseye skill set, you're, you're looking at discipline or, or industry or, or style, right? So like when we're working with clients, that's part of the process is like, we can't sell everything. Even if they are a really good master of all trades, we do a lot of work for agencies. A lot of our yeah. clients, I would say about a third of our clients on for all of our businesses are our marketing agencies okay. and a lot of white label work and internal work. Okay. And it's hard, right? Yeah. Agencies helping other agencies. But uh, what that's taught us is that that sometimes industry specification is more important than the discipline. Okay. I like that. So you could be a jack of all trades in like one of my uh, old partner, Shanahan strategy is a guy that does nothing but like, and like equipment, like heavy equipment, manufacturing, industrial, big machinery, like a machinery marketing agency. So he does a whole bunch of things uh-huh. just for that. And that's a really weird, hard space to work yeah, in. Yeah. Uh, so it, it, it's, it's a no brainer that you would hire someone like that versus maybe they might even be more talented. Maybe they have better designs or better campaigns or better AdWords or better whatever. But the fact that he understands the space and understands how they buy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that was tough. I wanted to go industry specific because it was more comfortable. But for us, this is where we're at. I don't know if it was the right call. I guess, <laughs> I guess we'll see. Yeah, I guess we'll see within the years. For me, it was super nerve wracking and niche down because I just kept thinking about all of the money that we could be losing through all these different services that we could be offering. Mm-hmm. Opportunity cost. Yeah. Right? But oh. then you don't think about, then you yeah. just become known for this one thing. And I feel like we've had even way more business than now we do website design. Um, but we just pinched down to this. And now I feel like people need a website. If they've worked with us, connected with us, we're, they immediately send us referrals where as opposed to just being a general marketing agency, I feel like we wouldn't be, you know, top of mind as much. Yep. But I'm super excited to chat with you about cold emailing because like I told you right when we started the call, any I'm a seasoned business owner, but as anything cold, just cold calling, cold emailing, anything like that makes me very nervous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so before we dive deeper, can you explain to the audience why cold emailing could be beneficial? Why do they need to start thinking about it? So just disclaimer, uh, even though email is my weapon of choice, I don't think that email could solve all marketing problems. Okay. So just, just to get that out of the way. Uh, and I think that the answer to most growth problems in businesses is usually multi-part. Might mm-hmm. be a sales problem, a service delivery problem, a wrong target you know, the brand might be totally mismatched for the audience. There's all these different things could be, but it's usually a combination, right? Mm-hmm. You know, if you have a headache, it's probably a combination of things. You may 
you know, it might be stress and migraines and allergies and, you know, hungover from (laughs) all sorts of things. It could be a combination, right? So the, this, this, this idea of cold email is just another way of reaching out to a stranger and starting a conversation about business. It's just another way to get in front of people. Mm-hmm. And I would say that like, I don't use cold email to sell cold email. Okay. Okay. I don't interesting. Cold email campaigns to sell cold email campaigns. Tried it. Yeah run a bunch of experiments and they all <laughs> failed. So it just felt, it was just, it, it's weird. Like I, I've, I've read also, I've been on every, every channel out there for the most part and done a okay. lot of different things and it's not something that we really do. So I don't think it works for everybody. Okay. And that's good to um, know. Yeah. Yeah. Now I would say that if for higher ticket items, I would mm-hmm. say something that's got, you know, a five-figure annual value, or maybe even like, I would say 5K at bare minimum. Okay. And a more consultative product, something that, that it may be a product or a service packaged as a product, but something that, that's a bit pricier and where there's more conversation involved to sell. Okay, okay. Uh, it's not just, you know, price shopping or like more consumer play. I think that for for those types of businesses, that's why we would do a lot of work with agencies because it costs a bit of money and it is complex. It's not a, uh, the industries aren't commoditized. Okay. You know, it's not like we're, we're, we're selling steel. Yeah. Like yeah. We're, we're selling something where there's so much nuance to it. So cold email is a very, in some cases, with some of our clients, like cold email is their primary moneymaker. That's where they bring in new business, not referrals. Wow. Not the marketplaces, not paid ads, not organic, cold email. That's interesting. Uh, so I'm curious, yeah. what industries do you see do the best with cold email? Uh, SaaS does well. Okay. Uh, so, you know, big you know, enterprise software does well. It does well on its own if you have a good sales team and people that know how to work the phones mm-hmm. properly and mm-hmm. actually have that human touch in there. The combination of those two could be okay. like, it, okay. like it, we've seen some amazing, amazing numbers when those are synced up correctly. And that makes sense. Yeah. What about, just because I'm an agency, I'm just curious, what about agencies? <laughs> uh, I've seen big wins and big failures in the space. Uh, just in the past year, I've probably okay. done, worked with maybe 20 or 25 okay. agencies. So I have a chance of like, you know, you know, I would say three quarters of them that we got them a positive ROI. In some cases, it wasn't positive enough to maintain it. In other mm-hmm. cases, uh, it didn't work at all. Interesting. And the, I would say that if I gun to the head, Websites are tough to sell via email. Okay, that's website yeah. design is, okay. but but using cold email to support other things, like I being interviewed by you right now because I had somebody send you a cold email. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That still is beneficial to my business. It's good for the exposure. 
it, it expands my business relationships in the agency world. I got to meet interesting new people. Yeah. Like it has all these soft and, and, and hard values uh, yeah. value that comes out of it. SEO and PPC is really hard too. Okay. Mainly because there's just a lot of competition. Now, that being said, for agencies that say, hey, all I want to do is sell example we have all of these gyms across the country or across the world actually that are going out of business a lot of them are moving virtual yeah so if i said you know what i've got a kind of a cool tech stack and an approach to helping gyms play both sides gotcha so if you're like okay you're kind of going in with what's going on right now hey we can help you get online kind of going into well, that approach less about bit. helping them get online more about i would say to make it worth the money that gotcha. it would take that they have to, to put into it it would be uh going after established gyms franchise hey everyone's making this move right now a lot of people are spending a lot of money mm-hmm. making the switch like adding and injecting virtual coaching we have a way that's a little more right price that's scaled to fit you know, like f- folks like you and I, like we understand things like Calendly and schedule once and yeah. like that. But a lot of gym owners like, the, wait, wait, that's a thing. I thought mind body is the only thing that does it. <laughs> costs money. It's a kind of a black box system. So if you were to do a campaign specifically to get people set up on something like that, mm-hmm. that would be an example of something that cold and could do well with because the targeting is really specific. It makes uh, sense. That makes that makes a lot of yeah. sense. Uh, and on the SEO PPC side, I would say that there needs to be something, not what you think is unique, but truly unique. And that's hard. It is really it hard. It is hard with that. One, my wife owns a small Facebook ads agency, and it was Facebook and Instagram ads. And it's very difficult for her. She's able to differentiate because she has had a career in fitness and health and wellness for those types of clients. She understands that those people buy so she could crawl into the psychology and the visuals and really she could, her first guesses are usually right. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah, Cause she, right? cause she knows it so well. Yep. Yep. Not as a marketer actually being in the business. <laughs> being in it. So that, Yeah. And then agencies that are, are more tactical where it's, uh, you know, cannabis is a big one right now, right? There's a few agencies out there. That's all they do. Great cold email candidate. It's fantastic. Okay. Actually. Yeah. So. The, to the marketing agencies targeting the cannabis industry. Mm-hmm. They're saying, okay. Yeah. They have, they have, they've got a few, like they like wick and mortar, an agency out of Seattle is doing some interesting things right now, but that's all they do. Yeah. So, and there's a few others that have popped up to support more of the corporate level. Yeah. Layers of that more in the pharmaceutical category. So I'm curious because I know you have a very interesting approach to cold email. Can you tell me a little bit about the, the caveman, the caveman thing? <laughs> oh, wow. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah, I do. I do. Uh, it's, I, I get asked a lot, like, like how, where'd you learn how to, how to write like emails that do so well, campaigns. And like, <laughs> I, I don't want to buy what you're selling, but I really liked your email. Thank you so much for sending it. Like, how did you do that? <laughs> and the answer is I don't, I don't study copywriting or marketing i study psychology 
and things like evolutionary psychology Mm. you know caveman prehistoric paleo paleo email i should i should buy that domain right now yes (laughs) uh too late uh anyways uh, it's those instincts that all humans have are powerful Mm -hmm. so powerful like humans don't uh, like when I was working with Oren Claff, the guy that wrote Pitch Anything, that was my first introduction to how evolutionary psychology could be applied to you know, pitching to investors, which is one of the hardest, highest pressure like sales situations you could be in. And uh, you know, I learned a lot about things like uh, the, the importance of contrast and the importance of familiarity. So uh, if you see you're out in the jungle and you see contrast, something that doesn't mat fit in the jungle, your mm-hmm. eyes are going to go that way, right? Mm-hmm. You're, you're a web designer, like understand visual hierarchy is the thing. Yeah. Right? yeah. But it's contrast. You want your primary call to action that's within your view, within your field of vision to be, to be the, the one thing that you want their eye on, right? That makes and sense, that, yeah. That's, that's wired into our brains because of our caveman ancestors that's where it came from mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and familiarity is important especially in social settings that i don't want to eat that berry because it's not familiar i don't want to die mm-hmm. so you need to you need both to get mm-hmm. people so how do you do that <laughs> would you say uh, well, i'm using an example here yeah uh, we'll use the fitness example right okay so creating contrast would it be to do something unique like Going head to head with mind and body. Mind and body is an absolute juggernaut in the, the fitness marketing space. They, they own the space. So the contrast could be, you know, not mind body at all. Like consumption line, not mind body. You know, mind body sucks. I would open that email because it's kind of a, it's kind of a little intriguing. Yeah. Not intriguing or like, are they picking, trying to pick a fight here? Is uh, it psychology? What's happening? Yeah. Yeah. And then to talk, and then right out of the gate, like we do things not a little differently, a lot differently. Like when there's no long-term contracts, you start using that as differentiation. Okay. That's a way of creating contrast. It also creates contrast in the inbox. If you think about all of the messages you get, if you're skimming through it, what's going to catch the guy? That's why e-commerce companies started putting emojis in their subject line and putting them in different sequences because as you're skimming real fast, it'll catch mm-hmm. the eye. Even if you don't want it to, it's going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Familiarity would say, would say I was a gym owner for 10 years and, uh, and, and then bring in very specific things like, yeah, I know. And you know, in COVID like, Hey, at least I don't have to fold towels anymore. That's a way of building familiarity. It's, oh yeah, folding towels at the gym. I remember starting out in that space. That was like, when you're the owner, you're the towel folder too, <laughs> right? Uh, so, so that's a way, so that's contrast and familiarity. It's different, okay. so you grab their eyes, but it's not dangerous. Okay, okay. So you, so you, you get them to kind of connect with you on certain stories. It could be story-based. Sometimes we don't have the benefit of having enough real estate in an email to 
actually craft a full beginning, middle, and end story. Sometimes the middle might be an email too. Okay. And uh, I'm curious, yeah. and I know you said you're more organic, not right, but I feel like the marketing person in mind is me is like, okay, <laughs> how long do these emails need to be? Would you say? I. Uh, it depends on the target. Okay. So for like, like what's your center of bullseye prospect? Um, probably like small business owners that are not, that some do some stuff online, but they serve like a local audience. Okay. Does that make sense? Uh, yep, it does. And is there a specific category of local business that like you've got, where are your best case studies? I guess I would ask. Our, base, our best case studies are not the most exciting ones, but no, it'd be something like a roofing company or like a remodeling company. Okay. Yeah, roofing, w w windows. Yeah, okay. Mm -hmm. So, uh, all right. So for for that target, I would say three paragraphs in the first email would be okay. Okay. Yeah, uh, it's those people in those spaces aren't accustomed to as getting as many cold emails as say a VP of sales at a, you know, a software company mm -hmm, is used to mm -hmm. getting. So even small businesses sometimes are big targets for cold email. You know, for some, some of these guys, they're going to be reading it on their phone though. But yeah. you need to put enough meat on the bone to, to kind of like, Hey, I know your space. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I, I think I can do a dynamite work for you. And I think this is why you need to talk to me this week and not in a year. <laughs> and I have a, another question. This is just my tech, like my, I don't know, tactical brain. I don't know. But I'm mm -hmm. like, so do you use, do you use any imagery in your emails? Do you do like bold text links? If so, there, there's a few different challenges with that. Challenge one is for deliverability sake, including links and images and emails lowers deliverability. So when you're first starting out mm. sending emails to somebody, we typically will remove links and images. Okay. Okay. Uh, just, but then in the follow-ups, we'll, we'll paste an image in there. And okay. part of that is the, it's called the, the text HTML ratio. Okay. Text to image ratio. Uh, so email servers want to see and they'll reward messages that look like handcrafted mm. people messaging with each other the second they start seeing a bunch of html and formatting they freak out a bit so for for the cold email portion that's what it is on the e-commerce side uh those things are still in play but by that point, they've opted in or they're already a customer. So you could get away with more images, but we still try to keep image count to like below three. Okay. So there's still, there's still technical challenges there. Okay. I would say that psychologically, uh, the, the sooner, if, if you could get away an email two or email three or email four with adding some images in, I would because of what you're selling. You're okay. selling a website, you're selling something visually, even though so much of the work has to do with the strategy and opt-ins and local SEO and yeah. local citations and all that other stuff, right? So uh, that's what I would say. Okay. Uh, ultimately, though, for that particular target, 
I told, I said earlier that I don't think email will fix all the problems. I think for that, I would look at doing an email campaign where if you get them a little warm is to do some SMS marketing in there too. Okay, We're starting like to run some experiments them. in SMS marketing and a contractor is more likely to be on their phone and respond to a text like, Hey, did you get my email? Mm. And I have a question for that. This is might be more of a personal, a personal mm-hmm. question, but are people like, how did you get my number? <laughs> like, why are you texting? Uh, no, because we don't send it cold. The SMS okay. is part of the nurturing. Okay. Yeah. Now some people are able to pull it off in certain categories. We have clients that are running fairly, you know, fairly sizable SMS campaigns, but they also have mechanisms for getting the opt-ins to keep it legal. And it's, it's, it's a whole different space. Okay. When looking at through like uh, an email centric lens, I would say that and the nurturing is really nice. Okay. It's tough to get good phone numbers though, but if you have a chance of getting a good cell phone number for someone in a more traditional service industry, I, I think that it would be foolish not to, even yeah. if you do it manually just from your phone. Yeah. Like if you reach for you, like if you reach out to a thousand roofing contractors over a month and say you get over several emails, you get 60% of them to look at at least one of your emails and say, you know, maybe a few percentage of them bounce out Mm -hmm. because their emails are, maybe they're out of business. And then you look at, you know, your open rates, uh, uh, versus the actual click rates. So you include a link to like maybe a portfolio piece or an example of a site that you've done. Mm-hmm. It's click. So after it's all done, you might get initial interest for maybe 3%. So you'll okay. have like 30 people that replied and you put, put those in the funnel and maybe you close a couple of them. Okay. You got that other chunk of a list of people that clicked and opened a couple emails to have that, that the buyer's intent, right? Mm-hmm. So for those, uh, I would, uh, see if I could get phone numbers for them and actually text them. Okay. okay. And getting good cell phone numbers is hard. Getting good data sources, it's not cheap, mm-hmm. but you don't need that many to, to get ROI off of that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then for the, the cold email, I feel like I'm like on a, on a coaching call. Right? <laughs> no, it's. <laughs> but I know it's so beneficial, I think to anyone listening, but, um, and then when you guys get started, do you do, so I'm assuming you're using an email provider. Do you send out like create a list and then send out mass emails or do you do it like email by email? Uh, we don't do anything email by email. We sometimes will customize each recipient okay. with some customized text. And one okay. of the things happening in the cold email space right now is there's been it's not just image and link count that's problematic. It's the age of the domain. So you're accustomed in your world of, wow, it's an age domain. They got a lot of backlink. They got a page rank of six. This is a, we could get, we could get some action out of this, right? It's great. Like to yeah, be able to work yeah. with something that's art, that the value of the property is already that high. And email, when you go further up the food chain, you need to, you're not going to reach as many if you, if you're, if your domain's younger mm. or if it doesn't have a, like a high enough sending reputation and there's not one source for it. like everyone's using a different, like you're a podcaster. Like so people are like, 
well, what are your podcast rankings? Well, I mean, check the 12 different directories out there and kind of yeah. match the numbers together. It's the same way in email. Right okay, now. that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, so I would say that for agencies or for consultants, coaches, fo folks in that space, I would use a combination of mass. So okay. maybe 500 to 1,000 prospects, you know, customize the company name and first name. You know, it doesn't have to be a long message and, and then take the ones you really want to do business, like your, your, your top prospects and at least personalize the first email. And a lot of the tools out there, you could do it in the platform. Okay. Like, so you could queue it up and you can preview thing. Okay. Here are these, these five people I want to, you know, craft a customized intro. We crafted mm -hmm. the customized intro when contacting you mm -hmm. and we customized the outro too. Mm. So we spent probably 20 minutes just crafting that email, but it still had a base template mm -hmm. to work off of, but it still went through a tool. That makes sense. What's your favorite email tool to use? It's, uh, we use Mailshake and Reply.io. Reply yeah, they both are used for different things. Okay. Uh, Mailshake, I prefer myself. Okay. We use it internally. Uh, Reply.io has some different capabilities for re-engagement and A-B okay. testing. Okay. So uh, those are the two we go, go to. Woodpecker is starting to get better now. We're seeing that pop up a lot more. Uh, so that's something where we're playing with. See cool. if it's worth uh, working with as well. We try to be vendor agnostic, but like some of the tools our clients come to us with those like, don't make me use this, please. <laughs> right? Like some of the providers. Yeah. Like, it's, <laughs> like someone coming to you, it's like, can you fix my Squarespace site, please? And you're like, please don't make me do that. I don't care how much you're paying it. Please don't. <laughs> that makes sense. Um, and then a couple of other questions for you regarding email, because I mm -hmm. know people are going to be asking. Um, so obviously there's a saying that says the money's in the follow-up. Right. Mm -hmm. So how often should people really be aware of following up with these people that they're starting to cold email? Okay. Uh, so scenario one is we're just testing to see if cold email on its own could generate a conversation. We could get someone to reply. So yes, I want to talk. All right. Mm -hmm. In that scenario, the well, our version of best practice, and there's other people, I wouldn't, I wouldn't consider this a unique strategy. We'll send out maybe five emails, mm -hmm. you know, day one, day three, day five, day seven, day 14, and then they're done. Mm -hmm. uh, I would say not to use a breakup email in that scenario. Uh, I think it's a very, very bad idea. Uh, I, we used to, the breakup emails like, well, you must be too busy to talk to me right now. Okay. So I'm just going to take you off my list. Like, okay. Yeah. I didn't mean to be like a creeper and like stalk your <laughs> inbox for like the past two months. So I guess, I guess you don't care about me. Just comes <laughs> off. Some of them are fun and playful, but like it's, it's best just to leave it open so that yeah, you could contact yeah. them in a couple of months. Uh, and in that case, that's what we do is we'll say, okay, here's all the people we got opens and clicks from two months ago. Let's craft a one-off campaign and just make it fun and weird. 
And that's when we'll have someone like our guy, Billy, will bust out if we're sending, if we're doing fitness, we'll have him make a comic of caveman like lifting weights and an email or a picture of, you know, I'll ask clients for a, a bad cell phone picture of what they do at work. Like, give me a bad cell phone picture. And I said, don't, it needs to look like, like the opposite of stock imagery. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's a way of creating contrast. So, that's so interesting. Yeah. Just grabbing their attention. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the benefit someone like you has in this game is that in the beginning, it's very words focused. Yeah. Like how do I capture them with words? But as through the nurturing process, how you weave in the visuals is important. And for me, that's a weak area. I have to hire that out. I have mm. to, I have to like find someone else on my team to help put together a visual that you know, optimized for mobile, <laughs> like an itty bitty, like a little 350 pixel wide window that actually communicates something. So I, I do think that, that there's a there's space for that. Okay. The second scenario in this case is where you have someone on the phone. And in that case, you know, people call them cadences or sales funnels or sequencing or their sales process. Mm -hmm. uh, if you're willing to pick up the phone, I, I would say that a couple of emails, try it digitally because it's efficient, you know, through a couple of touches and maybe like the fourth email, maybe you could say, yeah, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to drop you in line tomorrow and <laughs> just tell them, uh, or just call them mm -hmm. nine times out of 10, you're going to hit voicemail. Yeah. So and then say I didn't say I just have something pre-canned for that. I would say that that particular approach all depends on whatever style of selling is most effective. The email is just there to get somebody on the phone okay. to get a conversation started. Emails where they're designed, I'm going to send them to my landing page. It's, it used to work really well, and there are cases where they can work really well, but it, it takes a long time to be able to craft an email sequence or a campaign that could lead to a click where someone fills out a form. It's very challenging. Okay. So not recommended to beginners or intermediates. Okay. So number one goal with the cold email from what I'm hearing is get them on the phone, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. Cool, cool. Well, I love this conversation. I'm in my head already like thinking like, okay, we need to do this. <laughs> do that. We need it. Cause I mean, I know we've grown and it's funny that you say for some people that email is like their biggest thing and, but we've grown so well with just referrals, um, Instagram, you know, like the podcast, um, and kind of when you think about growing and scaling, emailing and the cold stuff, cold emailing, even cold, you know, going out into the neighborhoods and seeing mm -hmm. people, it's definitely been in my head, but it's, it's, I don't know why it made me so nervous, <laughs> but I feel like chatting with you a little bit is like, okay, just try it. Just try to see there could be different industries that would work for other industries mm -hmm. that it doesn't. Um, and just, I love how you said to get creative with it, like taking the fitness industry and talking about, okay, what problems are they having right now as a whole? And then how could you solve that for them? Because I think I've tried cold emailing before, but it was kind of, it's kind of, I don't know. I, I feel like I it's, didn't it's think hard. It, it's like one step below a cold call. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, 
for you, I think one of the best things you have going for you is your Instagram. Like not a lot of people know how to do B2B Instagram. That's very, very rare skill set. So I think if like using the fitness example again, right? Like gyms that are going virtual. Uh, if you were to do something like that, I would interview a couple like round table style gym owners mm. and find out what they're doing. Find out who's doing cool shit. Yeah. Cool yeah. Stuff. Do that. And then use that as, you know, email two in a sequence. Hey, this is something I just did like a couple of days ago. It's very, re- it's fresh. It's recent. It's relevant and leverage what you've got. The email is just there to support it. Yeah. Yeah. So as I said, that's like, like I was listening through some of your old episodes, the talking about the, like the Instagram takeovers, but in a B2B Mm, setting mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i've never heard of that before and i thought i had heard everything so i think that that's that would be more interesting reaching out to folks to get business for more like a more sophisticated buyer like if you're doing websites for for software companies just tell them about that they're like what you did what yeah yeah you could do that (laughs) (laughs) so Anyways, that's just my, my, my uh, uh, unfiltered opinions. So. <laughs> no, I love it. Thank you so much for joining me today. Um, but before we go, how can people get connected with you online? Uh, best way is just shoot me an email, nate okay. at inboxattack.com. Awesome, uh, awesome. Yeah, I, I have a zillion email accounts, but I, I, I do email so I could talk to more people, not so that I could get more emails. So, you know, <laughs> I like it's that counterintuitive. <laughs>If you've enjoyed this episode, please hit the subscribe button if you haven't already and leave us a review with your main takeaways from this episode. But thanks again for joining me today and I will catch you next time on the Marketing Mindset Podcast.